with the 20th pick in the NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select. You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast, presented by AAA. Every athlete has a journey. Focus on the game. Let us worry about getting you there. Auto repair, roadside assistance, and auto insurance. Start your journey at AAA.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of the Journey to the Draft podcast. It's Sunday, October 11th, and uh, we are taping this just hours before the Philadelphia Eagles host the New Orleans Saints at Lincoln Financial Field. I'm Chris McPherson, joined alongside by football aficionado, draft expert, all-22 savant, Fran Duffy. Fran, good morning to you. Good morning, C-Mac. It's a, uh, another game day. Another game day indeed. Sunday here. Very much indeed. Uh, were you there when Temple... Speaking of football at the link, Temple goes 5-0. and That's right. Dominating win over Tulane, 41-14 to if I'm correct. Correct. Were you there? I was not. Unfortunately, uh, my, my little <sighs> shame, my shame, baby shame. sister, uh, Lauren, moved into her first house. Uh, and uh, so I was there to help her and her husband move. I was not there when they moved into their apartment last year. I was down at the trip in Arizona. So felt the need to uh, make sure I was there for this one. Fran, 1974. I know. 1974 is the last time the Temple Owls started 5-0. and Yeah. And you weren't uh, there for it. Wasn't there for it. My parents hadn't even met yet <laughs> <laughs> last time. Uh, oh, good question. No, mine haven't. Mine did not either. Yeah. So, so uh, no, I'll be there uh, the next couple of games. I'm defi- I'll definitely be there at Notre Dame. Oh, everyone's uh, going to be there for course. Notre Dame, of course. But, uh, I'll yeah. be there uh, for – I'm trying to make it for the rest of the games as well. So, All um, right. Great season so far. Hopefully you don't jinx it. Hey, they might be uh, they might be ranked ahead of Georgia when. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> our room uh, and the production room for all of our Eagle Network programming. There's just a little lobby that uh, separates the two, so we don't know if Mark LeBlanc can hear us at this point. But nonetheless, uh, let's get right into the action. Uh, obviously, everyone's looking forward to this Eagles game today, but we're going to delve into some of the stuff that happened. Over the weekend in the college football landscape, and we're going to kick things off with Draft Buzz. Now it's time for Draft Buzz. Fran, uh, I know that you edit this pretty quickly. I don't know if you can get a drum roll in. Probably not. Uh, But we already have NFL draft projections, or at least a look at different needs yep. for teams who have started this season either 1-3 and three or 0-4, oh and, and this comes courtesy of our good friend Lance Zierlein from NFL.com. And the Eagles are 1-3, and three, just like the New Orleans Saints, so one of these two teams today will emerge with some hope, some good feelings about the rest of the season, and the other, it's going to be a long trip, whether yes. it's you know back to Philadelphia for the Eagles or Another long to week. New Orleans. Another long week. Indeed. So, unfortunately... Even though the Eagles are one and three, they're only at number eight. So even the bad start for the team, <laughs> they still have the eighth draft pick. I mean, that's still not like, all right, you're going to get a bona fide playmaker there, like in the top five picks or something like that. Number eight. So hopefully, Eagles get this turned around. But here are his top three needs. He might as well just said offensive line, offensive line, offensive line. Sure, right. He went guard, offensive tackle, and pass rusher. And uh, I would agree with the sentiment to this point in the season. Certainly the offensive line has been the uh, the scapegoat for the team's struggles overall. And pass rushers are, you know, one of those positions where, you know, you have Connor Barwin, you have Brandon Graham, you know, who's that third guy? I mean, they had to transition Vinnie Curry, 
Marcus Smith's not been able to get on the field. Right. Exactly. You know that. You know that's more of like a down the line type situation for the Eagles. Which in this exercise, it's always good to do. You want to kind of look down the line when you're trying to build a football team. Uh, but going with those positions, Lance Airline offered some potential fits. And Frank, I kind of just want to go through the list and get your take on yep, some of these guys. Uh, starting with guard, he went with Landon Turner. Tar Heel from North Carolina. Yeah, a guy that uh, I know a lot of people are pretty high on. I have, I have yet to watch him. Um, you know, one of the few, actually, one of the few seniors that are a big name that I have yet to watch yet. But uh, he's got decent size. You know, for, for a guy that's going to play guard, I think he's got okay size. 6'4", 323 pounds, so he's got some girth to him. Uh, his uncle played in, the, played in the NFL. He played at 315 a couple years ago, so he's continually put on weight. Uh, like I said, I know that he's pretty highly regarded, so – uh, I'm excited to get into him and get excited to watch him a little bit. All right, let's go to the Pac-12. Joshua Garnett is the other guard whom Zierlein has penciled in or has as a potential fit for the Eagles. Right, and a guy that I, I know that uh, my good friend Ross Tucker is was pretty high on when he first watched him, and a, a guy that's pretty, pretty interesting. He's got uh, He's got some size to him. You know, I think I, I also want to do a little bit more work on Garnett, but – uh, we talked last week about some other guys as well that kind of fit mm-hmm. that mold a little bit. You know, the white hairs and the Alexanders of the world, uh, the, the Max Turks of USC. So uh, this this draft, I don't think, is short on offensive linemen in terms of especially guys that can shift inside to play guard. Uh, this is a pretty good group. Which is it's that's a dangerous sentiment, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because then you get into, well, then you can just wait right. and get a guy. It's yeah. you got to get the guy who's going to fit. Still got to get a guy. Your, you know, your system is going to you know, fit well for you. Absolutely. Now, either of these guys, this we're talking, I don't know what zero lines, you know, objective was with projecting guys at the number eight spot or just guys who would be a fit overall. Yeah. I, I, the, I don't think either these of those are not guys are top 10 guys. Overall. Right. Okay. Just, that's why I want to just get out of the way there. Yeah. I think that if you're talking, you know, top eight, uh, a guy that's going to play guard, I mean, maybe Ronnie Stanley, if you see Ronnie Stanley as a guy uh, that can shift inside to play guard, I think he's got <clears throat> the body to be able to do it. Um, but, you know, you probably want him to tackle uh, exactly. when it's all said and done. Speaking of tackles, all right, so let's go through some of the tackles. Vidal Alexander, LSU. Yeah, and, I, and when, you, when I see Alexander, I kind of see him as more of a guard than a tackle. I mean, he, he's played both positions, uh, shifted back outside to tackle this year, was a guard last year, uh, played right next to Lyle Collins, who played left tackle. Um, you know, good girth, has good contact power, you know, does a good job in the run game. Not the most athletic guy, so I think that'll be uh, you know the big question is whether or not he's got the feet to be able to stay at offensive tackle. So that's why I think I see him more as a guard. Um, but regardless, I mean, you're getting a good run blocker, uh, a guy that is smart, he's instinctive. The big thing with him will be the athleticism. So uh, that will be interesting to watch there. Let's go to the Big Ten. How about Ohio State's Taylor Decker? Taylor Decker is interesting. You know, he's got uh, really good size in terms of height. I mean, he's six seven and a half. He's three hundred twenty pounds. Uh, I'm interested to see just looking at him. He doesn't look like he's got, and you know, we'll get into this over the next few months. Doesn't look like he's got really long arms for a guy that's six <laughs> foot seven. So we'll see. We'll see how that shakes out. But um, you know, I think that a lot of people are really, really high on Decker. I'm, I'm not sold yet. Okay. You know, a guy that's got. I think that uh, again, he's got the size, but. I didn't see the nastiness, that willingness to really just finish guys consistently into the dirt. I think there are areas where he can continue to improve. Uh, and really, uh, the big thing with, with me was consistency. There would be times where you know, he would get good movement or he would be able to uh, you know, protect the edge. And then there were other times. I remember the game against Michigan State last year. 
it was literally like one series he'd look like a first round pick, the next series he looked like a sixth round pick. And you know, going up against Shalit Calhoun and uh, that defensive line there for the Spartans. So uh, I think I want to see a little bit more consistency from him. I think that at at times his eyes aren't exactly in the right place, and I think that he's got to use his hands better. So there are some areas where I think you want to see Decker clean up his game, but. Overall, I, th- I think he's a nice player. We'll get to Calhoun in a second. How about from Baylor, Spencer Drongo? Drongo, I think, is, is definitely a guard. You know, I, a guy that uh, has been in the, in the limelight here. I think a lot of people have been talking about Spencer Drongo for a few years now. Uh, he had that neck injury that cost him the season. I believe it was in 2013. Um, but he's 6'5", 315 pounds. Another guy, when you look at him, you know, even though he's a left tackle in the Big 12, I think he's a guard at the next level. Um, you know, and I think that his strengths really come when you look at his ability to anchor at the point of attack. You know, I think he's got the ability to drop his weight and hold up against a bull rush. I think he's pretty smart. I think he's a smart player, and he, you know, he plays with his head on a swivel. He handle, handles the, the stunts and twists and blitzes and things like that pretty well. I just want to see him get stronger, and that was the big thing with me was, uh, you know, while he's got the ability to drop his weight and handle a bull rush, I didn't see great movement at the point of attack in the run game, and you know, I haven't watched him yet this year. This is all based off of what I saw from last okay. season. But uh, And I know that they've been able to run the ball a little bit better this year. Whether that's behind Drango or not, we'll see. But uh, that was an issue that I saw a year ago was uh, for a guy that, you know, people talk about what his reps are on the bench and how, you know, what he squats and things like that. I didn't see great movement at the point of attack. Let's go to the pass rushers. And you already mentioned Calhoun. So is it a, mat- a matter of when he goes against a guy like Decker from Ohio State, where it's just two of the best, and maybe Calhoun was getting the best of him on some series. But uh, just talk about Calhoun's game and how he projects to the next level. You know, I, I kind of – when I look at Calhoun, I see a guy like Chandler Jones, uh, who was a first-round pick uh, of New England. And Jones, good player, but is never, is never a guy that you're looking at and like, okay, he's a dynamic mm-hmm. pass rusher that i got to stop. Uh, you know, and I, th- I, li- I like what Calhoun does, much like Decker, actually – there are times where he's, he's very up and down. You know, I saw the, the game against Oregon last year against Jake Fisher, and a lot of people, that was a game that a lot of people that were fans of Jake Fisher pointed to and said, look at the, what he did against Shalit Calhoun. Uh, there are a lot of times where Calhoun looks like a first-round pick, other times where, you know, not so much. I still, he's been a big-time playmaker for them for the past three years. Uh, you know, he, he has good length. I think he's got a pretty good first step for that size. Uh, he's a tough kid. He's physical. You know, I just I want to see more consistency from him. But, again, he's not going to be a guy that is going to be this dynamic edge rusher, double-digit sack guy okay. year in, year out. There's going to be seasons where he has 10 sacks, you know, I'm sure, uh, you know, if he reaches his potential. But he's not going to be that guy off the edge that you're going to have to fear week in, week out. You mentioned Oregon. Did you see the tweet that Washington State sent out? I did not. It was a picture of the Oregon Trail video game saying that you have died of dysentery. <laughs> oh, jeez. Brilliant. That's great. It's like everybody's just dumping on Oregon because yeah. it's like, oh, you've gotten us for the last couple of years. Well, it's our it chance. Is. This is our time. We've got to take advantage. Uh, getting back to the pass rushers, let's go to the SEC. How about Jordan Jenkins out of Georgia? Yeah, you know, I, I like Jenkins. I like Leonard Floyd. Who we talk, I think we talked about Floyd last week, uh, who's a junior. I, I like Floyd a bit more, but Jenkins is interesting. He's 6'3", 250 pounds. He's got really good length. You can t- he's got really strong hands. You know, when he hits an offensive lineman, you can see him jar the guy on impact. You, you see just how heavy those hands are. Uh, he dropped a good amount of weight. Uh, he played at 270 at the end of 2013. Dropped 24 pounds before last year, and I think he's playing around the, the mid-250s right now. Uh, he's had a big year numbers-wise. I think he had four sacks or something along those lines against Vanderbilt. Um, 
interesting guy because he's versatile. You know, he shows the ability uh, to play in a two-point. He can play in a three-point stance. He lines up up and down the line of scrimmage. Uh, he's got a good first step. He times the, times the snap well. Uh, and I think he plays fast. You know, I want to see him take the next step as a pass rusher in terms of his uh, hand use and knowing when to execute different moves. You know, can he counter once he's initially blocked, things like that. Uh, he's a three, three-year captain. Um, so, I mean, that, that'll go a long way towards, you know, how coaches uh, look, at the, look at him once they become part of the process. But, again, really heavy-handed kid. I think he's got the ability uh, to hold up in the run game pretty well because, you know, he's got, again, he's got some good size to him. I like his position versatility. I think he's a decent athlete. I wouldn't say he's a great athlete. He's definitely not. When we saw Leonard Floyd yesterday, I think it was a, an 86-yard uh, fumble recovery for a touchdown mm-hmm. and just what he looked like in the open field. He's not that kind of athlete, but uh, – you know, not a stiff either. I, I like Jenkins. I just I, I wouldn't say that he's a, a first-round pick. The last guy on this list from uh, Lance Zierlein of NFL.com, it's Baylor Sean Oakman, who's someone who I could imagine being a polarizing prospect yes. coming into this upcoming draft. He was someone who could have come, in, come out last year, yep. chose to come back to Baylor, and it seems like he's a type of guy who physically is going to have all the tools in the oh, world yeah. and is going to make scouts drool. He's going to rip up the combine. But is going to be, from a production standpoint, the guy that's like, is he ever going to be able to put all the tools together? Right. And we, we mentioned it earlier with Decker and with Calhoun, where one snap he looks like, oh, my gosh, he's a top five pick. This kid, I remember last year, I believe it was against uh, in the bowl game against Michigan State, and he went up against Jack Conklin, who's one of the best offensive linemen, especially uh, from the junior class in the country. Um, once where he just destroyed, you know, blew off the ball, won with the hand swipe, turned the corner at two hundred uh, at two hundred and sixty pounds, six foot seven, was able to dip his shoulder, turn the corner, accelerate, run in the hoop, and, and finished on the sack uh, on Connor Cook. And then next, you see him get blocked by a tight end. You know, I, I mean, it's kind of frustrating when you look at him, but he's got uh, outstanding size. He's got outstanding length. He's actually from the Philadelphia area. He's from Lansdowne, PA. I have a funny story about when he was being uh, recruited out of high school, but uh, ended up going to Penn State, transferred out. He had some issues there, ended up transferring, ended up at Baylor. Um, but, I mean, the, the just a physical, physical freak. Uh, the question is his consistency and what what kind of player will he end up being? You know, a guy that when I watch him, he kind of reminds me a little bit of a, a Michael Johnson of the Cincinnati Bengals. Okay. I thought they had some similar strengths and weaknesses coming out. Johnson coming out of Georgia Tech, I think, was uh, looked at in the same vein where, you know, uh, he still was a, a unrefined as a pass rusher but shows those quality traits that could lead him to being an impact NFL player at times. But then you look at Johnson, and Johnson's been pretty inconsistent too. I mean, he had a couple good years in Cincinnati, signed that huge free agent deal with, with the Tampa Bay Bucks and was cut after one year, and now he's back with yeah. the Bengals. So, uh, <laughs> you know, who knows what will happen with Oakman. But that that's going to be the question is you have this guy who's an Adonis in the weight room, and you look at him and he takes his shirt off and everyone swoons. But, uh, you know, what is he going to be on the football field? So the pride of Penwood High School. Yes. You mentioned Lansdowne, PA, just outside of Philadelphia. Stones throw from where I live in Drexel Hill, in fact. Uh, what's the story be- between uh, <laughs> Temple trying to recruit him? I'm so, assuming it's a Temple recruiting story. Oh, yeah, story, so, so. so we, we were uh, recruiting him pretty hard. You know, we thought we, we would have a shot at him, uh, and Penn State had offered, and this was before, obviously, this past year when we did beat Penn State. Um, but, uh, you know, we were, we were in on him pretty hard, and the one, it was during the offseason, it was during recruiting season, uh, myself and, and uh, a couple of the other assistant coaches, a couple of the other grad assistants got called in. 
we had to put together what was called a closing packet. You okay. know, and that was our that was like our final pitch to a guy was all right. We, we called and I was in charge of putting those together. Uh, you know, all the different you know it's a, basically a packet of hey Sean, this is why you should come to Temple. This is what we can offer you from a football academics. You know, all the different things, all the different kind of support. And was it um, tailored specifically oh, tailored to each specific, guy? Oh, okay, yeah, you know, we would do Photoshop jobs and things like that to just kind of you know it's all kind of, it was it was great stuff. Um, but it takes a while to put it all together. So it was a it was a full day's work. We finished the day's work. It was probably around, you know, six thirty, seven at night. Go online. First news I see from Philly.com, Sean Oakman from Lance, uh, you know, from wherever uh, decla- you know, commits to State commits to Penn commits, State. Yeah. So uh it was like, you know, thank, thanks, Sean. Because um, <laughs> you just done it, you know, twelve hours earlier, <laughs> save me a day of work, you know. Well, yeah, no, I mean, the kids are a phenomenal athlete, so we'll, we'll see what happens with them. So, I guess, looking back at these guys that ZeroLine put together, do they all fit the Eagles? It's not just, you know, ZeroLine's smart guy, great football mind, knows the Eagles pretty well. Do these guys fit what the Eagles do? You know, I think that, and it's it's tough to say because we talked about it last week and we talked about it a lot in the spring with the offensive Off line. Offensive line prospects, uh, yes. You know, what do they really want? What do they really want? Uh you know, and, and I think that right now, really, the, the, main, the one thing they want is consistency. Uh, you know, so you'll take that any way you can get it. But, you know, perfect world. I, you know, pie in the sky kind of deal. Of course, you want a guy who's big and can get moving at the point of attack and is able to get out in the move and, and do some things in the, in the space. But, uh, you know, that will be interesting to see with, the, with these guys. And, again, like I said, it's a, it's a good group overall. There's a wide variety of skill sets. So they'll have, they'll have some options there. Let's look at uh, your matchup from your Saturday scouting sure. column. And first and foremost, it seems like the media is already trying to find that quarterback to latch onto for the draft process because that's what's going to sell the draft. Yep. You know, of course. You know, whether it was, you know, uh, Giant Manziel a couple years ago. Last year it was gift wrapped with Winston against Mariota. 2013, you didn't really have that guy. That was the Lane Johnson draft. That was the. You know, Luke Jokel and Eric Fisher going at the top of the board, Deion Jordan. It, it wasn't a sexy draft, so right. to speak, and production-wise, it actually hasn't been all that great. So it seems like that right now the experts are trying to latch on who could be that quarterback. We talked a lot about Travon Boykin from TCU last week. Jared Goff seems to be the flavor of the week, so to speak, and he goes against Utah, number five in the nation. Eric Rowe's former team, undefeated, and Goff had what he called – the worst performance, probably the worst performance of his career. Five interceptions yep. in a loss to the Utes. Yeah, and, and you know, I'll I'll be excited to go back and really, really study that game. But uh, you know, I wrote uh, for that for that piece that it was going to be the toughest defense that he'd faced all year. Uh, four of those five picks, if I'm not mistaken, were tipped. Uh, were tipped balls. A couple of them went off receivers' hands. One was tipped at the line of scrimmage. So. Um, you know, the one for sure was what, you know, I would say would probably be on golf uh, where, you know, he, he was, he was trying to be aggressive, which is fine. You know, and, and I'm okay with those kind of interceptions too. You know, he was trying to be, uh, trying to be aggressive there and uh, the defender just stepped in front, but you know, I, I like golf. I'm not ready to anoint him as a, uh, as a true surefire number one overall pick of yet, course. but I think he's got, he's got some interesting tools. I think he's really uh, developed as his career has gone on, you know, from what, uh, I saw unlimited at limited exposure as a true freshman. Uh, I watched, I believe, four or five games from last year, and I've watched a couple games from this year. And I, he has gotten incrementally better each year, especially in some key areas, you know, in pocket movement and ball placement and things like that. Um, you know, I think that his he's got a, a solid arm. I, I 
a lot of people really think he's got a cannon. I, I wouldn't put him up on the same scale as uh, a Hackenberg or a Cardell Jones or anybody like that. I think he's got a stronger arm than, for, for sure than Cody Kessler, uh, who was across the way there at USC. Uh, and, tr- and certainly he's got – I would say he's probably got a, a stronger arm than Connor Cook from Michigan State. Um, but, you know, that, that'll be the int- – it'll be interesting to see with Goff. I think, to me, he should stay in school. I would be, I would be surprised to see him come out. Um, but look, he's getting he's getting a ton of buzz right now, and since there's that not that guy yeah. in the senior class, it could be you know a lot of people will tell him it could be the right time to go. Uh, it's interesting that Daniel Jeremiah, NFL Network, does his uh, weekly feature where he polls five yes, personnel executives, and all five the yeah. question of the week was. What pro comparison would you make for Jared Goff? And all of them went with Matt Ryan. Yeah, and then he said that two others responded, and I, those two others said, Matt, said Ryan. Matt Ryan. So really, seven for seven. To have a unanimous, yeah, uh, which is interesting. There. You know, and it's interesting too because uh, you know Matt Ryan was a straight, you know, pro style offense. You know, under center, full back, yeah. you know, heavy personnel. So this is, I mean, Goff's mostly in shotgun. A lot of short stuff, you know, and there's from what I saw last year, it's a screen-heavy team. I know they've opened it up a little bit this year uh, in terms of the vertical pass game, and, you know, he shows really good touch on those downfield throws. But um, slightly different offense, but, you know, it's interesting. The kind of comparisons, especially the quarterback position, player comparisons are tough. Yeah. Uh, Star of the game, Devontae Booker, the running back for Utah. We talked about him last week a little bit. Had 222 yards, two touchdowns. I found this note from Josh Norris to be very interesting, that he'll be 24 before the start of training he camp will. Yes. next year. What are your thoughts on age in the terms of the evaluation process? Does it vary by position, or is it just flat out it is what it is? I think it is what it is. You know, And really with, with, uh, with running backs, to me it's not necessarily age as, me- as, as much as it is uh, touches. Uh, okay. You know, how many, how many times has he been hit? Um, and that's especially true with the running back position. So – uh, I, I I calculate those touches at the end of the season. Once his career is done, uh, I'll take a look. If I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I want to say that uh, for for running backs, actually, I have the numbers right in front of me. Uh, if it's over 800, that's a lot. That's a lot of touches. So uh, I would guess that Booker is probably going to be close to that because you know he's been a uh, he's been a pretty consistent contributor. Um, you know, for them over the past. Obviously, this past year they're working him hard. He started eight games for them last year, played in all twelve. Uh, you know, coming from the junior college ranks, where I know that he he was kind of fed the rock there as well. So uh, he's gonna a lot of had a lot of hits on him. And since he since he's such a physical runner, you know, those hits pile up. Your second Saturday scouting matchup featured Alex Collins, running yes. back from Arkansas, going against Alabama's Reggie Ragland, and uh, Ragland by far. Got the better of this matchup. He's in such a, a stud. Twenty-seven to fourteen win over the Hogs. Uh, eight tackles, a sack, two quarterback hurries, and a forced fumble. While Collins was held to just, I believe, it was thirty-six yards rushing. Yep. Twenty-six yards rushing. My apologies on the day. Yeah, and he, you know, that it, obviously when Collins, when you're looking at that matchup. I'm just trying to pick a one-on-one. Yeah, Collins is really going up against that whole defensive front and. You know, we talked about Ashawn Robinson last week, mm-hmm. Jerron Rod, Darren Lake. Uh, they rotate guys up front as well as well there. Uh, you know, Deshaun Hand and, and some of these other big time recruits that play along the defensive line. Uh, Reuben Foster is the other linebacker there that plays full time for Washington or for uh, for Alabama. Uh, Denzel Duvall, you know, Josh Dillon. There's so many guys that play in that front seven uh, that are quality players, especially at the collegiate level. But 
Uh, Collins is interesting. You know, I thought that, you know, watching the pair of him and Jonathan Williams last year, Williams, the senior that hurt his foot in the preseason and is going to miss the year, uh, unfortunately. I thought that Williams was the better back. I think Collins has a little bit more natural talent in terms of his burst and things of that nature. But, um, you know, Collins is interesting. Kind of reminded me a little bit uh, of Chris, Chris Ivory uh, mm-hmm. and, what, and what he's done in, so far in his NFL career. Ragland, I, I went back and I watched that game against Georgia. He's, he's such a stud. You know, and, and a lot of people are really, really high on Miles Jack, and for, for good reason, I, and I'm one of them. Uh, but I think the gap between a guy like Jack, who was the first person to declare for the draft uh, as an underclassman and withdrew from UCLA this week, and Ragland is a lot tighter than people would think. And, you know, obviously you throw guys like Jalen Smith into that group as well from Notre Dame. But Ragland, I, you know, his ability to come downhill – take on offensive linemen he can win with his hands uh he's willing to stake stick his face into blocks and he you know i remember last year we talked about vidal alexander raglan tossed alexander a couple times in that game against lsu last year like took him on and shrugged him off and threw him to the ground and made a play on the football uh and he's got unbelievable sideline to sideline speed uh this year just watching against georgia his instincts have gotten even better uh especially against the pass and that was a big thing people questioned about what kind of uh player is he in coverage and i didn't think it was from an athletic standpoint is what you know i think some have questioned his athleticism i don't think that's the issue i think last year sometimes his eyes were in the wrong place he didn't always trust his technique I'll tell you what, watching him against Georgia, he just destroyed Malcolm Mitchell on a drive route where he was in, in zone coverage. He read the route coming and just plastered him, dislodged the ball at the, at the point of contact. Uh, his instincts have gotten better. Ragland is, to me, he's a first-round pick. Interesting. Uh, your former boss, Al Golden. Yes. And the Miami loss. Hurricanes. Uh, the Saturday night showcase on ABC last night against Florida State, uh, bringing back the rivalry, so to speak, and it was a good one. Florida State emerging with the victory, 29-24. The Knolls are now 5-0 and on the season. Dalvin Cook, a true sophomore, 222 yards on 22 carries for three total touchdowns. Your matchup in this one was wide receiver Tra- Travis Rudolph, who had five, three catches for 38 yards for the Seminoles, going against Miami cornerback Tracy Howard. Yeah, and Howard, uh, they didn't match up you know, uh, every single snap because – uh, Howard plays to the field. He plays to the wide side of the field for, for Miami. But, um, you know, Howard, I think he's a little bit underrated on the national scale right now, mainly because, I mean, the guy was a five-star recruit, but hasn't really developed into, you know, I think when he when he signed there, people thought he would be, there were different body types, but people thought he would be Jalen Ramsey. I mean, he was one of the top corners in the, in the country uh, and certainly in the state of Florida, uh, and he just hasn't panned out. But, you know, He's a little bit undersized. He's 5'10". You know, I want to say he's in the 190 range, 195 pounds. Uh, actually, less than that. He's listed 183. So uh, definitely on the underside, undersized side. But he's got great quickness. I think he's got good instincts in terms of uh, his man coverage and ability to read, read uh, uh, route breaks. And, uh, you know, I think he can hold up pretty well in man coverage. I think he's got pretty good ball skills. Some people have questioned his deep speed, and that will be tested here at the combine next, you know, next February. But uh, I, I like Howard. You know, I don't think he's a first-round pick. He may not even be a second-round pick. Um, but I think that I don't think he's going to last long on draft day because I think he's got good quickness. So Howard's an interesting guy. What do you think of uh, the kicker Roberto Aguayo <laughs> going over to the Miami side and uh, just going for his warm-up? And the Miami players were like, "No, you're not. We're not having any of this, buddy." Yeah, and then there's I think that they were getting a lot of flack for that on. On Twitter, there were a lot of kind of videos that went around kind of viral yesterday. There were some explosive press yeah. conferences. I know Randy Edsel had one. Uh, Dabo Sweeney had one as well. There was a, 
some interesting moments in college football <laughs> yesterday, uh, to be to be sure. Uh, let's go to your next Saturday scouting matchup. Another Florida team, the Gators, remained undefeated, steamrolling the Missouri Tigers 21-3. to Your matchup fe- featured linebacker Antonio Morrison, who had six tackles on the day, going against Missouri offensive lineman Evan, B- Evan Bame, who was part of an offense that had just 257 total yards and struggled on third downs going 1-14. of Yeah, you know, and, and Morrison – is a guy that you watch and you say like, okay, this kid, he's pretty good. He flashes and you're like, wow, you know, he does some different things. He play, he can play in coverage. Uh, you know, he's physical downhill. He's really aggressive. I, I still, whenever I've watched him, I found myself wanting more. Um, you know, I, I th- I'd like to see him finish more tackles. Uh, I think his instincts are kind of up and down. So uh, Morrison's a guy, you know, like I said, want to like him. He's had some off-field issues in the past, seems to have rebounded from them. Uh, and it's kind of turned the corner there. So that's good for him and his stock moving forward. But, you know, Evan Bame, you know, we talked about Max Turk last week uh, from USC. Bame was right up there with him in my mind. And they're they're very different players. You know, uh, Bame is 6'2", 320 pounds. He's bigger. Uh, and he's he's kind of built like a uh, like a Travis Frederick from, from Dallas. Okay. And uh, just the ability to move people at the point of attack. Uh, you know, he's a, one of these big time high school wrestlers, so knows how to use his hands and, you know, and work leverage and, you know, work the upfield shoulder. You know, I think that he does some really good things in the run game from that respect. Uh, obviously, it didn't go well for them yesterday against a defensive front for Florida that has just been playing lights out uh, so far this year. And that's a large part as to why they're undefeated. Is that how did they turn that seven? program around? What has Jim McElwain done? And is it just a matter of he has gotten the most out of Will Muschamp's talent. And That's the thing. I mean, right now, I mean, he didn't leave the cupboard bare. You know, yeah. you look at what uh, Charlie Strong took over in Texas, and that was a, that was a bare cupboard. You mm-hmm. know, they haven't had guys drafted, uh, you know, at a record rate down there in Austin. Uh, and then you look at Florida and what Muschamp has been able to do in terms of that front seven, that really that defense in general, because uh, it's not just the front seven. That secondary is loaded with talent as well. Um, you know, I think it was just a matter of getting the offense back, you know, getting them on track because – uh, the talent had always been there defensively, and they've won. They had lost a lot of close games last year, a lot of games that they should have won. So instead of going, uh, I believe they went eight and four. You know, you win a couple of those, now you're ten mm-hmm. and two. You know, and it's re- just like that. You, you flip the script there, but um, you know, I, I was. We talked about it in the spring when when they hired McElwain. That was absolutely right hire, and the, the, the assistant coaches that he was able to bring in. You know, whether it was uh, Nussmeyer on the offensive side or Jeff Collins, he hired him away from Mississippi State on the defensive side. Uh, he put together a great staff, and that's really the most important thing for a head coach to do at the college level. Uh, and, you know, they're, they're reaping the benefits of that now. Our last Saturday scouting matchup, Fran's last Saturday scouting matchup, Tennessee, one of the more interesting teams to watch on a week-in and week-out basis. Yeah. There's always drama. There's always some kind of ridiculous storyline that's going to come out of the matchup. Rallying down from 21 to beat Georgia, 38-31. to 31, Yeah. A uh, couple of very intriguing takeaways from this game first let's get to your matchup uh Derek Barnett the edge rusher for the Vols going against the Georgia offensive tackle duo of John Theus and Colton Houston yeah and and Barnett uh really burst on the scene as a true freshman last year uh one with his motor he's got good strength good power for his size um you know has the ability to push uh tackles and close in on the pocket uh and he had a sack yesterday uh, at least one. He might, I may have missed another. I watched a good chunk of that game. I didn't see uh, the entirety of it. But, um, 
you know, Barnett's an intriguing guy, and he was going up against a pair of senior offensive tackles. You know, I, I mentioned in the piece that Theus is probably, uh, well, not probably, he's definitely more highly regarded than Houston. Uh, Houston, people may remember, uh, was kind of the subject of a big story from the NCAA a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, he was he was suspended for you know for banned substance, you know, for something he, he had no, you know, in terms of weight training, and then they found that it wasn't it wasn't illegal. It was something it was, the fault was elsewhere, but they still had to suspend him. Like it was it was something ridiculous, yeah. so they wouldn't give him his eligibility back. It was it was some kind of weird story like that, but. Uh, Houston, I see as more of a guard. I think Theus will stick a tackle. I don't see either as a as a top flight pass protector, but uh, they do some good things in the run game. So uh, I was interested to see that matchup. And then Nick Chubb, yes, star running back. It's a shame goes down for the foreseeable future. Yeah. I don't think there's been anything definite announced at this point, other than it's a left knee injury. Mark Richt said in his press conference that he he was confident. I want to say it was, and this isn't verbatim, but. Doesn't think he'll need surgery. Yeah, he said he was, was confident. He was optimistic yeah. he wouldn't need surgery. So I'll be interested to see what the injury is. If it's yeah. a hyperextension or you know, I don't MCL know MCL or something. It was, I mean, nature, it, was a, yeah. it was ugly looking. That's for sure. Let's stick with uh, the only other matchup involving top twenty-five teams yesterday outside of Utah and Cal, which we've already touched on. Uh, Northwestern just getting pasted by Michigan. Yeah, by a score of. The final score is thirty-eight nothing. It was uh, Michigan returned to opening kickoff for a touchdown, part of twenty-one first-quarter points, third straight shutout for Harbaugh, Harbaugh's Wolverines. Uh, any prospects of note while watching this matchup, Fran? Uh, well, here's the thing: they've got some they've got a se- some senior linebackers that I don't think were incredibly highly regarded. But you know, you look at the James Rosses and the Desmond Morgans. Uh, guys that a lot of people viewed as maybe you know day three picks. I think they're getting good play out of that side of the ball. Uh, Mario Ojemudia from uh, from Michigan as well on that defensive front is a pass rusher. Uh, I think you know he's he's seeing a lot of playing time. And then really Jordan Lewis is really the guy that's getting a lot of love <clears throat> on the defensive side. He's a cornerback, a little bit undersized. I really want to study him, but the people at uh, at Pro Football Focus, the people that do all the analytics, uh, I have been pointing to him as a big Correct. part of their success as a cornerback uh, in terms of hit the passer rating against and things like that. And again, um, you know, I kind of uh, you need some context there with that. So I'm excited to go back and get that context. But he is a junior, so uh, I would imagine that chances are he will stay in school. So we'll see. All right, that's going to do it for our draft buzz. Now it's time for pick six. Now it's time for pick six. All right, everyone, it's time for pick six. And uh, the Eagles are getting set to take on the New Orleans Saints just a little bit later this afternoon. So in honor of one of the stars of the Philadelphia Eagles, not just on offense but on special teams as well, Darren Sproles, the pick six for this week as selected by our own Alex Smith, who will be jumping in a chair, rotating as a co-host on a regular basis in the very near future, who are six, you know, not prototypical size prospects Fans should start to get to know ahead of the draft process, and not, and not just Sproles, but also Drew Brees on the other side. Very the true, yes. Quarterback, and yes. Uh, so we'll start with that position. That's that's Cody Kessler. We mentioned okay. a little bit uh, earlier in the show. Cody Kessler from USC, uh, listed six one, two hundred and seventeen pounds. Uh, so definitely on the on the shorter side for the quarterback position. Uh, you know, I think that Kessler does a lot of things really, really well. You know, you watch him last year. Um, and the the accuracy in ball placement is definitely a, a strength, and really his ability to move within the pocket and uh, work under pressure with bodies around him because he was under pressure a lot last year. And uh, you know I think that Kessler, you have those two qualities, 
you're going to be able to stick in the league. Now, the question will be, what is his starting upside? Because his arm strength is not what you'd want, I would say, is probably fair to say. Uh, now the question will be, is it adequate? Is it something that you can play with and you can and he can, you know, maybe he's not winning games for you with his arm, but he can, you know, keep you in games with his arm. Is he Andy Dalton, Teddy Bridgewater, you know, where where is it? or is it yeah, you just you're not gonna be able to play this kid. He's not gonna be able to make every single throw you want. So that is what it's going to come down to. I think he shows good toughness. Uh, again, some of those innate qualities in terms of uh, you know working within the pocket, you know, work bodies around him. He kind of has that uh, that eye in the back of his head and the ability to avoid pressure. But uh, that will be the big question: is can the undersized quarterback from USC can he uh, turn into a starting quarterback at the next level? When you say undersized, what are we looking at here? Like I said, I, I think he's probably in that six one range is what it looks like. Okay. And, and, you know, you get under if you get under six two, six three, people are now gonna you know, can he see over the offensive line, you know, all those different things. And then also those guys that are shorter for the most part, and Breeze kind of breaks the trend there, because uh, he's got such uh, a strong lower body, you know, are they gonna be able to stretch the field? You know, can they get the ball vertical? And and, and that'll be the question there with Kessler. So um, you know, moving on, moving on to the running back position, uh, and a guy that I actually just watched for the first time recently because he's he's been pretty productive for the Texas Tech Red Raiders, and that's DeAndre Washington, who's five uh, eight, two hundred pounds, so smaller guy, and and that's going to affect whether or not he's going to be a starter at the next level. Um, but I think he's got pretty good vision in a, in a zone scheme. It's, you know, that, and that's pretty much all they run down there at Texas Tech. You see inside zone, you see split zone. He does the, a good job in, ter- in terms of reading his blocks, uh, being able to set up defenders. His athleticism is very, very good. You know, he's got great quickness. He's got a great burst. He's got springs for legs uh, and the ability to just jump cut and get himself out of trouble. Uh, when he's one-on-one with a defender, he's making guys miss consistently. I watched his game against, uh, against TCU, and he made safeties and linebackers look bad uh, pretty consistently throughout that game. Uh, really competitive kid. You know, he shows the ability to, to run between the tackles. He'll be asked to pass protect often, and he shows the willingness to do it, uh, which is a, a good starting point. I think he's got some a ways to go in terms of his technique, and obviously the size doesn't help. But, uh, again, a really competitive kid, uh, earns every yard he gets. He's used out of the backfield as a receiver as well. So I like what I saw from Washington, and I think he's got the ability to be a change of pace guy at the next level. Uh, the question will be, you know, how much can he handle at 5'8", 200 pounds? But – uh, a really interesting guy to watch. And go ahead. At least he's two hundred pounds. True. So good weight is a so decent it's sign. Decent. It's, it's not. It's not so outstanding for for his height. That's pretty sure, good. Yeah. Typically, you're getting the five eight guys. You're getting the you know one nineties, maybe even right. less than that. And that's where it's very dangerous. So no obviously, questions. the height's not going to be ideal. The size overall, not perfect, but right. Still, at least it's not a, a lean guy. I don't know if he's going to be a foundation back for you. But. Sure, and that and that's when you look at the same thing here with Russell Hansborough from Mizzou. Uh, you know, who's five eight and he's one ninety five, so yeah. you know, sub two hundred. Um, but a guy that when I watched him, you know, I thought that he showed really good uh, vision. You know, and the ability to to create yards for himself uh, in the zone scheme, where uh, you know he was able to see holes immediately and hit it. Uh, and again, another competitive runner. And I think when you have a guy who's got good vision and he's competitive. He's going to get yards for you, and that's what you want. It's because it's the ability to take what the offensive line blocks for you and then add on to that. And I think if you've got that ability as well as the ability to you know, catch the ball out of the backfield uh, and hold up in pass protection, you're going to stick in the league. I mean, uh, barring other issues, uh, you know, whether or not it's as a starter, it's a question. Now, you know, now it just becomes, you know, are you going to become Booby Dixon from, from Buffalo? You know, are you going to become uh, you know, uh, Roy Hallou? You know, and, th- and that's going to be the, the big question here. Uh, but Hansborough, I think, and he's had a, a 
pretty sure he's had some injury issues this year from Mizzou. Uh, has missed a game or two there, but um, you know played mostly one back sets. Really decisive guy downhill. Uh, so I'm excited to, to dig even deeper here on Hansborough because a lot of the, what I watched is from 2014. Excited to dig more in 2015. What's Amir Abdullah size? Do you recall? He was. I want to say he was five eight and a half, five nine. Okay. Um, you know, so definitely on the shorter side too. But uh, I'm trying to think of guys who have come out recently who have broken the trend. Sure. Or at least. Right. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, I'm trying to remember exactly what Abdullah was, but. Uh, you know, he was definitely on that shorter side. You know, I, I want to say he was pretty pretty close to what DeAndre Washington was. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's it's interesting watching Washington. You could see first first time you watch, oh man, this kid's got juice in his legs. I mean, you know, the, right away you can see he's got that quickness, that acceleration. But uh, impressive guy overall. So uh, moving on here, the the next guy, and he's probably the most talented guy on this list, uh, the defensive lineman from Notre Dame, and that's Sheldon Day, who. Uh, you know, is going to be a straight-up three technique. I mean, that's what he's going to be. He's under 6'2". He's 6'1", uh, 285 pounds for a defensive tackle. So he's on the lighter side, doesn't have really, really long arms. So that's going to hurt him as well. That'll ding him for some teams. But uh, if you want a guy who's got first-step quickness, uh, can penetrate into opposing backfields quickly, fires off the ball, he's got good pad level, uh, he shoots gaps really, really easily, has good movement, good athleticism, uses them on stunts and twists and things like that. Uh, another really high motor guy, plays sideline to sideline. I want to see him get a little bit better with his hands. And, uh, you know, I know he's a, he's a leader and the character is definitely there. So I just want to see him improve that technique. A lot of what I watched from him, again, is off that 2014 tape. So I'm excited to dig into him deeper here in 2015, see what uh, improvements he's made at certain levels. But, uh, again, a guy that can pen- – he's not Aaron Donald, but you look at the, the, the skill set – that's what he wants to be is that kind of a player where you're talking about a guy who can get into opposing backfields really quickly. Did you watch the video uh, the Monday morning quarterback uh, did with Aaron Donald? Uh, it was a film study piece. I'm with, uh, with Andy? Yes. Uh, with Andy Benoit? Andy yeah. Benoit, yes. I did not see Very it. good. Yeah. You get a chance to watch it. It's their breaking down tape, and it's just uh, just what he can tell from an offensive lineman's alignment, uh, from how wide their legs are spread apart, right. about how they're going to block, and – uh, how he's utilized on stunts here to talk about with Day and how how they utilize him in that that regard. Uh, five minute video to to go on a watch just about the uh, the nuances. It just you realize it takes more than just you know extreme physical talent Absolutely. and gifts to be able to succeed. It right. was it was very fascinating to watch. Yeah. And Donald just seems someone who like loves like those the little aspects of the game where he he came off that way. I mean, we talked to him at the Senior Bowl. Yeah, you can tell he's just a very cerebral guy. Uh, so I mean. Guy's a heck of a player, yeah. no, no question about it. So, um, you know, wrapping up, we've got two more guys. And one mm-hmm. guy we talked about last week, and that's Eric Stryker, the linebacker from Oklahoma. Yep. Uh, we talked about how some people even see him as a safety because, you know, he's 6'2". I want to say he's 220 pounds, plays as an edge rusher. You know, is he a weak side linebacker? Is he a strong side linebacker? Is he a safety? Uh, the athleticism is absolutely there. Uh, technique, you want to see get a little bit better. The motor, I want to see definitely improve, for, you know, going into this year. Uh, so excited to dig deeper into that and see if that was the case. But, um, you know, those were the issues there with Stryker, again, who we talked about pretty extensively last week. And another guy, uh, the corner from Minnesota, uh, Brian ba- Body Calhoun, who's 5'9", 190 pounds. All right, so he's a 5'9 corner. So you know right away that, that that's going to be the big thing with him is people are going to automatically slide him into the slot, and that's going to be the case. But, you know, when you watch Calhoun, uh, his ability to play the ball in the air 
is outstanding. You know, he shows great hands, but then also just the way that he plays it in the air, his get, you know, the proper body positioning, uh, the instincts to be able to jump routes and, and when to go up and high point the football. Uh, you know, he, he made a number of interceptions a year ago and pass breakups last year where, you know, he just perfectly timed the ball where even though he's small, uh, he's got the ability to play big. So really competitive kid. Uh, I think he's got good quickness. He's got the speed in the open field. Uh, really, really impressive with him was uh, just his ability to hang in man coverage and then be able to play the ball in the air. But his again, the big question will be at that size, what is he? Jason Verrett, Chargers, could be. It could be. exactly. And then a team who will utilize and willing to utilize someone that size. And he was a he was a first rounder. Yes, right? first so, round pick. You know, I w- I would be surprised if Cal- if Body Calhoun went in the first round. But you know, and again, he's listed five eleven. I there's I don't see he's definitely not five eleven. Yeah. So. Uh, I, I would imagine he'll be at the Senior Bowl. I'm excited to see what the final, you know, for sure measurements are. All right, so that's pick six. Six players who don't fit the, you know, what the NFL typically wants out of cer- certain positions. And we'll see how that impacts a team like the Eagles because the Eagles obviously have their, you know, the positional their body limits, types. the yep. body types of what they want. And uh, on that note, we're going to transition to the final segment of this edition of the Journey to the Draft podcast. It's the Draft Mailbag. Now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in the Draft Mailbag. All right, so it's time for the Draft Mailbag. First one, it's a question I saw on Twitter yesterday while following the action of the day. Uh, It came from, it really wasn't a question per se, it was Josh Norris from Roto World, great draft analyst, uh, was talking about the Corey Coleman bandwagon, the wide receiver for Baylor, who had seven catches, 108 yards, two touchdowns. Um, he said that, you know, by the end of the year, the bandwagon's going to be full. Everyone's going to be on it. I When I see a player like this who everyone's kind of talking about and starting to hype up there, I just wanted to get your thoughts on, on him, even though I know we've talked a lot about the wide receiver position where the Eagles stand there. Um, what makes Corey Coleman a potential special well, prospect. The numbers are going to be high, and the numbers are ridiculously high, especially at touchdowns. I mean, it's a big play offense. Yeah. Regardless of who steps in a quarterback, they consistently put up huge numbers in the pass game. So the numbers, that's absolutely It was 66-7 to seven over something, Kansas? Something like that. And he, I think he was the – I saw the ESPN put it out. He was the first receiver – or the, only the second man in the last 10 years or something to put up as many touchdowns as he has in the first five games, something like that. Uh, Stedman Bailey from West Virginia was the other. Um, you know, Coleman doesn't have great size. You know, he's listed 5'10", 185. So, uh, you know, really what you're counting on him is his big playability. And uh, in his bio at Baylor, they say that he ran a 4.38. So, obviously, that's a, a great number for the 40-yard dash. They say that he jumps 132, which would be in the top uh, 80% in, uh, in uh, the wide receiver position over the last five years at the Combine. And they say that he jumps 45 in the vertical jump, so uh, which would also, again, put him right in that mold. He's in, actually he's in the top 90 percent, and then in the uh, in the vert- And what I'm saying is, over the the receivers that have been drafted over the last five years, he would be in the 90th percentile in broad and vertical jump. So yeah. obviously, the numbers are very, very good from an athletic standpoint. They're very, very good from a production standpoint. I haven't studied Coleman yet. I've only watched him on TV, just mm-hmm. seeing and seeing highlights. I would just say as a precursor that much like when I watch, you know, uh, you know, running backs from certain schemes and, and, and just quarterbacks from certain schemes, 
you have to take it with a grain of salt because the coach penalize them to an extent. Well, you know, and not penalize, but I just go in just being wary. uh, You know, and I don't want to jump in too heavy before I before I get into it. But I'll take for for, uh, a great example. When I went into watching Ezekiel Elliott, I was kind of like, okay, like I I don't know. I know he had a lot of big plays and a lot of great runs, but I know it's a system where there's a lot of different things going on. Uh, he, you know, they might be able to, they might be overcompensating for him to a point mm-hmm. where, you know, that's a lot of wide open running lanes and he's outstanding. You know, Ezekiel Elliott is one of the two best running backs in college football. Uh, I would put him right there with Fournette. With Coleman, I don't know if that's the case. You know, I, I haven't been the biggest fan of a lot of Baylor receivers mm-hmm. because I don't think a lot of them are great route runners. Uh, now this kid has got explosive ability. He doesn't have great size, but I'm excited to see. You know, what does he look like as a route runner? What does he look like with his releases? Uh, some of the other smaller things in terms – well, not really small, but just the nuance yeah. of the position. Uh, you know, what is Coleman like there? So excited to dig deeper. But like I said, the production and the athletic numbers are, are eye-opening. It's uh, four verticals. Just everyone goes. Everyone goes. And, and they line them up and they line everybody up and they force you to say, <laughs> it's okay, like a it's, track it's one-on-one. It's one-on-one. So, you know, and, and they, they do – it's a, it's a great system. Yeah. It, it's a phenomenal system. Um but like I said, you know, and that's the other thing. You look at Shock Linwood, the running back from that team, who's put up good numbers this year. Yeah. I went in and I was like, eh, like I don't really know. I'm gonna, and I didn't like him at all. You know, I, I watched Shock Linwood last year and I didn't like him at all. So uh, you just got to be careful with guys. I wasn't a big Terrence Williams guy, and, and he mm-hmm. hasn't. I know he's put up fantasy numbers here and there, but I don't he hasn't think been consistent. He's no, not. Uh, he's not a guy that has really developed as a route runner. So you, that's and this is a time for him to shine with Des Bryant exactly. being out, and he hasn't really stepped up. So. Exactly. So, first question comes from Ethan Pappas on Twitter. Wants to know, and we talked a lot about the offensive lineman with the Lance Zero line piece at the top of the show, but who is the most athletic offensive lineman who would fit the Eagles scheme? Uh, so just we, in terms of pure athleticism, we talked yeah. about him last week was was Max Turk. Mm-hmm. Uh, another guy who's just just a freak is Laramie Tunsil from Ole Miss, who hasn't played it down yet this year. He's been because of the suspension yeah. from the NCAA. Uh, as they continue reviewing that case. Everything I heard on Friday and Saturday was that they are very close to making a decision. I know that the this coaching staff is kind of annoyed that they haven't made the decision yet because obviously this kid is a, a big-time player on the offensive yeah. line. He is unreal. You know, great size, great athleticism, and then just the technique on top. I mean, he is so clean, uh, you know, just with his hands and with his feet. I mean, he he is really, really good. Uh, one of the best tackles that I think I've ever watched. Uh, and just, you know, it's a shame that he hasn't played. This is going to be interesting, though, because you talk about – we talked about the Chubb injury, and I got kind of got into it with some people on Twitter yesterday about this. I was, was going to bring this up, actually. So yeah, Is the, you know, the, the whole, you know, should the sophomores be able to declare? And look, I think that the rule is the rule, number one, and it's the rule for a reason. There are a certain amount of players that, yeah, could they physically be able to – you know, could Leonard Fournette be playing in the NFL right now physically? Yes. Could Laramie Tunsil be playing in the NFL? Sure, probably. But so many of those, and we've seen so many in the last few years. How many times has the record for underclassmen been broken? And every year, the number of guys that don't even make it into uh, don't get a selected. 53, don't get picked, don't end up in, on a 53, don't even make it onto a team in, at the, in training camp. Like they're, in, they're looking for work in the summer. Yeah. Uh, you know, so many bad decisions being made. So you'd hate to see even more bad decisions being made from that from that respect. And uh, you know, and then people are saying, "Oh, well, you know, those guys get paid and these guys don't." It doesn't matter because 
no, at no time will college players ever get paid what they do in the NFL. So even if the oh yeah they get paid uh, you know five thousand a year you know whatever the number would be, it's you're still, still going to pale, it's pale to compared to the millions that you're going to make in the NFL. So that that discussion will always be there. So to me, it's a two completely separate discussions. Um, but Tunsil, he's he's outstanding, and he hasn't played it down. If if he's and he suspended, might have benefited from it. Yeah, I mean, if he, he if, he is, from this. if he is suspended for the entire year and doesn't play it down because of this this uh, ordeal. And he still declares for the draft. He's going to be a top ten pick, no question in my mind. He is unbelievable. So, That's a, you know, from an athleticism standpoint, I would put Tunsil right there. Because I guess from what I've seen, what I've read, it seemed like Ronnie Stanley from Notre Dame would be probably the other tackle who would probably compete to be the first one off the board. Right. And Stanley's had his ups and downs this season to the point where Tunsil would probably, like I said, I would take I would take Tunsil off of over yeah. Stanley, for and sure. he's probably benefiting from yeah. not playing. Yeah, you're, that's a good point. That's a very good point. Um, what do you think of Miles Jack? The decision. Yeah. I, th- I mean, look, the kid. I, you know, I know Jim Moore came out and said, "Oh, he doesn't have enough tape." He's been a two-year starter. He's started. Uh, you know, I can go back and look at how many games he started yeah. over the past two years. Uh, he was a. Tw- he started twelve games uh, in twenty thirteen as a true freshman. He started thirteen last year, and he started what four this year. So you're talking uh, nearly thirty starts. That's there's, a good amount of there's tape. There's enough tape. There's yeah. enough tape. Uh, and people have said, you know, I know like the. Uh, I was talking with uh, Russ Landy from Big mm-hmm. Ten Network, you know, another friend of the podcast. Best coverage linebacker he's ever seen, ever. Guy's a freak of an athlete, plays safety, plays in the slot over, over receivers, can run with receivers and break passes up downfield. Uh, you know, the athleticism is off the charts. The instincts, the, the toughness, the ability. Now, you know, is he going to be asked to do a lot of those things? It'll be really interesting to see what team he ends up going to and how they use him, how they deploy him and things like that. I said last week I would take him every single day over Shaq Thompson, who was a – I think he was like 26-something. He was a late yeah. first-round pick. I would take Miles Jack over him every single day. Uh, so uh, Jack is going to be a first-round pick. It made no question in my mind. Torn meniscus, tricky rehab in terms of, hey, you know, if, if it doesn't go well, then that can lead to long-term issues. But uh, in no way is that the kind of thing that, uh, you know, as long as it's rehabbed correctly, of course. he'll be fine moving forward. He's not going to lose any of that athleticism. He's looking at the combine, I believe, to be able to return to action. And so. the quote was, I heard Mike Silver from NFL Network say, uh, he doesn't want to just go to the combine and work out. He's got, his plan is to blow up, the, which he will. Uh, in terms of you know, if he's healthy, yeah. he would blow up the combine. His goal is to come off the injury and blow up the combine. So uh, Jack is a ridiculous player. It would have been interesting if Cardell Jones had declared for the draft right. after the amount of games he yeah. played. And, uh, you <laughs> you know, talk about la- lack of tape in sure. uh, situations. But. You know, it's, I've heard people bring up you know, Antonio Cromartie and you know, how, many, how many starts did he have. We talked last year how much tape was there on Jalen Collins. You know, I mean, just – you can go on and on. Yeah. And there are lots of guys that have a lot less tape than Miles Jack that have been first-round picks. Uh, and the last question of the day comes from Calvin Hall on Twitter, who simply wants to know, when are the Eagles going to win some games? Yeah. Hopefully starting today. Hopefully starting today. Hopefully we get it going. So uh, It's, it's going to be an, an interesting one. Certainly. So, folks, I think that's going to do it for us here on the Journey to Draft podcast. Again, make sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you consume your podcasts. Uh, make sure to rate and comment. Let us know what you want to hear on the program down the line. We're going to keep things rolling once a week until the draft season really begins in earnest with the right. college all-star games, East-West Shrine. Well, Super hey, Bowl. hopefully we're not even down there. Yes, hopefully Hope. we're not down there. But but if we are, we will have full coverage every single day. Indeed, yes. So uh, for Fran Duffy, I'm Chris McPherson. You've been listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA.